next few nights. Amen. I was talking to a man the other day, and he said, you know, he said, in my life I have three men. He said, I have a man I consider a prophet, and I have a man I consider my pastor, and then I have a man that I consider, um, I forget what he said the third one was, a counselor or mentor or something. And they asked me, he said, what do you think about that? I said, well, I've got them all three wrapped up in one. Amen. I consider my pastor to be a prophet. And when I need counsel, this is the man I call. I really think that's the way it's supposed to be. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I believe that uh, this is a man that hears from God. And I believe we're going to hear from God because of it this week. Praise God. Brother Davis, we love you. I want you to take your liberty tonight. Let's everyone say it together. Brother Davis, preach to me. Would you say that with me? Brother Davis, preach to me. God bless you. Take Thank you, Brother Reagan. Everyone say praise the Lord. You can be seated tonight. What an honor and a privilege it is to be here to minister the word of the Lord and to feel his presence. If you gained the whole world and lose your soul, what's it profited you? It was an elderly man I preached a funeral for two weeks ago. I think it was two weeks, week, week and a half maybe. 88 years of age and seemed like he never could have the time to really worship God or to love God. I've known him for almost 25 years and his request was, on Brother Davis preached the funeral. And wasn't much I could say. I, there just wasn't much I could say. Seventy years of a lot of time that God gives man to live, and God allotted him 18 more years. And I figured the days that he had lived, the days that was allotted unto him, and the days that he lived amounted to quite a few thousand days of life, of lifetime, but never found the time to really give to God that which he needed to give to God. How sad, how sad. I made the statement, I said, I wonder how much time he spent in prayer. I wonder how much his givens were. I wonder how much that God could say that this is what you lauded your time for. I believe he sacks up our prayers. I believe he catches all of our tears in a tear bottle. I've always believed that. And how sad it is to live a full lifespan and never really know it. I'm thankful tonight that God got a hold of my heart many, many years ago and tried to turn me around toward a goal to reach. Such an honor to be with your pastor and his wife and children. I couldn't help but weep when I began to see the children, his children, worship God. If you gain the world, lose your soul and your children's soul, what have you gained? I want my children saved more than I made my mind many years ago. If I'd seen the world saved and lost my children, I'd be much a sad individual. God help us to watch over our children and make sure that they are prepared and ready to meet God. Everyone say praise the Lord. I got one of the hardest messages to preach tonight that I've ever preached in my life. 
My Lord, I don't. I guess I'm just going to see what what you made out of tonight. I don't know. <laughs> Glory. You may not be so excited before I get through now. Even to all of our visitors, oh, God bless you for coming. You know, really, if I was a visitor, I would look for a church that's real. I wouldn't look for one that, I mean, this church has got the, the greatest welcome party that you could ever have. Big old red dog met me out there. And <laughs> let me know I was welcome. <laughs> I told my wife, I said, I'd love to have that dog. <laughs> Such a beautiful dog, and he walked up, and he wasn't afraid. He just wanted to say, how you doing, preacher? <laughs> but you know, we're living in a world of a bunch of fakes. I don't want to be a fake. I want to be real. I want to be acquainted with them that's real. Glory, and I want to tell you tonight that the Lord's still on the throne, just as strong as he ever was. Amen. I usually sing, but maybe I'll sing tomorrow night. I don't know, but I... We're singing the word of the Lord tonight. I looked for a clock. I didn't see no clock, and I, my wife's got my watch, so we, uh, well, I don't know. I'll get through anyway. Whenever I get through, I'm going to quit anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Amen. Everyone say praise the Lord. Good to see some of you I've known for a long time, and new faces. My, so beautiful to see you here, and uh, we're, we're glad to be here. Such a beautiful, warm reception, and uh, fruit basket, I don't know who made it, but it sure was good, and I've already been sampling it. It's doing good, and uh, just keep up the good work. That's all I can tell you. Amen. Everyone say praise the Lord. Praise Smile a while. Give your face a rest. Amen. Glory. Everyone say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's stand tonight. Let's read, read the word of the Lord for a while and ask God to help us. Romans, the fourth chapter. I tell you, God loves his people. Every day this week, I have gleamed in Romans, the fourth chapter, over and over. I was going down the road Monday trying to put things together, and I, Lord, if I could have been here Monday afternoon when I was preaching in my truck, oh, I mean, it would have been something else. And... I have come this far, and it's, and today we was going down the road, and the Lord began to deal with me again. And I know, I, I don't know what tomorrow night may hold, but I know what holds tonight. Amen. I know what God has given me for tonight. In the book of Romans, the fourth chapter, verses starting with number 17, 4 and 17. As it is written... I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quicketh the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope, this is what I'm going to preach about tonight, hope. Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Being not weak in faith, he considered his own body now dead. Everyone say, now dead. I want you to cling to this part right here. And the Bible said his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. 
verse 21, and being fully persuaded that that what he hath promised, he was able also to perform. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and the Lord spoke to me today to blend this in with what I'm going to preach about tonight. The 12th chapter and verse number 8. But he be without chastisement whereof we are partakers. Then are ye bastards, not sons. Pretty strong language that Paul spoke to the Jewish people. And I want to preach tonight by the help and grace of God. Hope. I've got great hope. I've got great hope for the church. Amen. Master, we thank you for this night that thou hast given us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege to... Lord, to come to minister your word, God, that thou hast given us, O God. Thank you, Lord, for your people that's here tonight. Thank you for the visitors, God, that have come. Quicken our hearts, our souls, O God, tonight. Help us, O Master. We'll praise, we'll give thee all the glory. And everyone say it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. He said in Romans, the fourth chapter, verse number 18, he said, against hope, everything was the opposite that it should have been. Everything was the, in other words, put on the hold button, so to speak. Like that many men have told me through the years, well, that's an impossibility. It's impossible for you to see things like this accomplished. And then to see the impossible things to be accomplished because of a promise that God said that we could have. And who against hope, all hope was gone. All hope was gone. I want to bring you into a setting, and I did not have this, but the Holy Ghost talking to me. The Apostle Paul was out in the middle of the deep one night, had been there for several days, the Bible says. I think three days, if I remember right. And it was a gross darkness that came, and all hope was gone. It was no, nothing that he could actually, it was so dark out there in the deep sea that it was just, it was an impossibility. And, but his faith in God was strong and his prayer was as strong as it ever was. And we find that in the midst of this, the impossible, an angel stood beside of him and gave him direction. He said, you're, going, you're not going to be losing. There's not a man going to be lost aboard the ship. He said, give them these words. It's time for them to eat. And he began to give direction, you know. And so what are you saying, brother? What I'm saying, we are living in one of the darkest hours that this world has ever known, full of chaos of all kinds, of pervertness and ungodliness and filthiness of all natures of this world. And yet the church, it seems like that, Many times it's just barely, barely hanging on or just barely getting by. And so what I want to preach to you tonight is about, you say, the impossible that God says is possible to them that seek him and love him and know him. I want us to look at some scripture here. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalms, we don't need to turn there, but 119, 74 and 147. He said he hoped in the word, the psalmist said. And he knew that the word would actually 
would be there and that, that God would stick to his word, although we seem like it'd be almost impossible for this ever to happen. In 2 Kings, I want to turn to the 20th chapter. You can follow with me there if you'd like. And it tells us of an unusual man by the name of Hezekiah. And we find the illness. And the Bible said in those days Hezekiah was sick, verse number 1, unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, set thy house in order. To me, these few words, set thy house in order, has direct meaning. The old church where I come out of as a young, young man, they, the pastor died and his son is dead now. And, but he told me these words. He said, uh, I, was, uh, I was in this place and the minister came up to me and said, said uh, Brother White, said, uh, put your house in order because the Lord's going to visit you. You better put your house in order. And I watched him as he was trying to, he, he took it as very lightly that, uh, well, I've got plenty of time, like we all say we've got plenty of time. But the next time I saw him, he could not speak. He was in a wheelchair, in very serious condition, lost his church, lost everything that he had. And he thought that he, could have, he had a lot of time to put these things in order. And so Hezekiah, the Bible says that when Isaiah the prophet went to him, he immediately, he said, and the Bible tells it this word, that he wept sore. He, in other words, he wept till there was no more power in him to weep. He was weeping so strongly and so hard. In fact, the prophet, the Bible tells us, if you read here in this chapter, it says that the prophet was out in the court. And the Lord spoke to him. He said, turn around, go back. Give him another word. And he began to go back and... And, the, and, he, and he told Hezekiah, he said, weep no more. God's heard you cry. You know how beautiful it is that we can precisely say that God has heard our cry. That God has actually brought us words that we need as accomplishment. At our conference this year in Dallas, there was, there was a man, a man of God I dearly love and appreciate so much. He... All of a sudden, there was some things that I needed some answers to. And, and all of a sudden, he prophesied, and, and I, I thought, God, you do know me. You know where I'm at. You know all about me. You know exactly what the words I needed to hear, whether they be good or whether they be bad. And so the prophet Isaiah said to Hezekiah, said, uh, uh, find you some figs. Figs. Uh, what do you want figs for? Well, put them on your boil. Figs on a boil. Pretty simple, really. Uh, you know, my daddy, he, he loved figs. He's all the time around a fig tree somewhere trying to get figs. Anybody brought figs, he'd just sit and eat figs, 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 you know. And I looked at him and I thought, they don't look very enticing to me. I just don't. They don't look very good to me. I mean, I... Why try to sample something that don't look that good to begin with, you know? And the other day, my son-in-law, he brought me a, a little bag of figs over to the house. He said, Dad, I wanted to give you some figs to eat. 
And uh, I, I didn't have the heart to tell him, I have never tasted a fig off of the tree. I don't know what they taste like. Because what I looked at, it didn't look very good to actually appease me to, to do it. And so I had a little while there, and I sat down at the table, and I got me a little pair of knife, and I skinned them back. And, and I dropped my jaws into that fig, and I said, hmm. You know, my daddy did know what he was talking about. That's pretty good stuff. And that one wasn't good enough. I had got me another one and another one and another one and another one, you know. And all of a sudden I realized that it was really better than what I ever thought it was. And you know, it's like that when we have a problem, we come to the pastor and the pastor says, Pray. I knew you'd tell me that. Four letter word. Something so easy. Something so simplified. Four-letter word, pray, you know. Well, I know that's what Brother Dave's going to tell you. He's going to tell me to pray. I know he's going to tell me to do pray. Well, so simple. And he took, I, I can see Hezekiah said, I've got to have more of a sign than that. And the Lord did. He showed him a miraculous sign of the, of the shadow and so forth, turned it back and instead of going forward. And, but what I want to bring to you, that, that he wept sore to the fact that it, it changed the, the voice of the Lord, what the Lord had told him. And, and when he said to him, he said, you're going to live. God's going to add so many years to your life. And how beautiful it is to live in an hour that God still answers prayer. God still answers prayer. He prayed against hope when there was no hope. He prayed against the extended time of life when there was no extended time. The, the man of God done judged it right there. He said, he said, the Lord, get your house in order. He said, it's over with. It's over with. And then the man of God, Hezekiah, one of the greatest revivals ever come to Judah, he began to pray. And, and I don't know, I imagine he cried a, a floor bucket of tears because he, he wanted to live just a little while longer. And God answered the prayer. He, he, he relied upon a hope. A hope beyond hope. I want you to look at a few things. And just take and put a lump of figs on. Just so simple. What shall be the sign? God also gave him the sign that he needed. Amen. And I want us to look at something here. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter. And I want to link this in just for a little while. <clears throat> of what the Lord hath given me to give to you tonight. Now everyone say praise the Lord. Hebrews, the 12th chapter. I'll get here in a minute. 12th chapter and verse number. Let's go just up a little bit. Let's start at verse number 5. And we have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you, as unto children, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. You know, it's easy to be around someone that's all the time patting you on the back. But when someone tells you to, to do something contrary to that which, well, I, I like to know why you say that for, preacher. For an example, there's a man came to me one time. His wife was untrue to him. 
And uh, he told me, he said, uh, Brother Davis, he said, I, I got a problem. I said, what's the problem? He told me. And, and uh, now I'm not a man that believes in divorce. Never have. Never believed in it. Sometimes it's, it's the way it's got to go, but because of the, the world we're living in, the ungodliness and the sins and so forth, I'm not living no pervert. Uh, amen. I don't expect anyone else to live with one either. And, but he told me, he said, uh, Brother Davis, I got this problem. He said, I, I, and he came to church and prayed through the Holy Ghost. And I told him, I said, I want to tell you the best thing you can do is to divorce that woman and leave her alone. Oh, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, 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 I almost checked, Brother Davis, what did you say? I mean, I said it before I even thought about it. I never even entertained it in my soul, my mind. And I said, leave her. Divorce her. He said, I can't do that. Impossible. I can't do it. I said, you better do what I'm telling you. No, I'm not. He left the church. And about a year later, he called me. He said, Brother Davis, he said, oh, my Lord. How would the call I'd have done what you told me to do? I said, what's the matter? He said, I'm, I'm diagnosed with AIDS. That woman gave me AIDS. Dying. You see, God looked ahead and saw. But I couldn't see it, but God could see it. A lot of times you wonder why the man of God says what he says. Amen. And it's clear beyond your imagination or what you can even think or say. But yet there's a God in heaven that looks down and paves the road. And he knows what direction you're going to go, my friend. God brought me here for one purpose, to preach this message tonight to you. It's so easy when he's complimenting you, but when he's rebuking you or saying something that, hey man, you're not no longer a child of God. Hey man, you, you're, you're disinherited. Hey man, as, as Paul spoke of it, he said, you're nothing but a bastard because you, you don't want to take words from the leadership or the things of God. I want us to look at some things here. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children? My son despises not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. I remember my dad set some laws down in our house. And I didn't have to say, now dad, I, I want to ask you why you set these laws down. He was dead. He set them down. He could do what he wanted to do. And that was the law. He either abided by it or he'd kick you out. That's the way it was. Amen. And that's the same way it is with God's house. Can I, can I just be open tonight? And, and, and I think many times that we say we're a child of God, but yet inside we have a different nature within us. I'm preaching about a revival that's coming to this church now. I'm going to lead up to it in just a little while. God's got a real revival for this church. I'm talking about a one God apostolic tongue talking holiness revival. And the you can be seated. And my son despises not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou rebuketh of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If he endure chastening, God, amen, deal with them as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? 
Can I just put it this way? I would to God my dad would have laid the belt to me more than he did. I wouldn't be in the condition of my past, amen, early life as, as it is had he brought the belt, amen, and used, well, it wasn't a belt. He used a razor strap about that wide. I mean, when he swung, he picked you up off of the ground as he brought you, you know. But I would to God that, that he would have done more, amen, that he would have woken me more about what I needed to do and the things I needed to be. But a child that is, you know, I know a man that says, I just don't hardly believe in that whipping. I believe in talking to him, you know. There was a man, there's a man connected to my church, and, and I mean, he's always so kind. He wanted to preach to him a little bit, you know. Preach to all of his kids. All three of them is out of the church. All of them have been in the prison house. I think maybe all but one, and I believe he has two. All of them, uh, all the, every one of them has been divorced at least once or twice. All in the, in the time of the 24 years I've been pastor of the church, I'm going to preach to them. Honey, sometimes it takes a little more than preaching. Sometimes the old preacher got to bring the blood once in a while, amen, to wake you up to realize, hey, who you are. Well, praise the Lord. I can share with you many of them. The other man comes to my mind that he always, he just liked to, you know, this love story, you know, love them real good and don't whip them, you know, and just kind of pat them on the back and, and they say they're going to do better, you know, and they walk behind daddy and laugh at him and say, ha, 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 he's so gullible, he's stupid. But now he realizes that now they're all gone, one sleeping on the streets tonight, Amen. The others, amen. The one turned to uh, uh, a pervertness style of living and, and going to live together with, with the same kind of sex. Hey, I want to tell you something. We're living in an ungodly, filthy world. And the church stands back and says, just love them now. Just love them. Love them. Just love them. Accept them as they are. Hey, God's not going to accept them. Why should the church accept them? Hang with me for a while. Let me preach a while. Hallelujah. He said, but if you be without chastisement, whereof are all partakers, then ye are bastards, not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and then gave us the reverence. Shall, not, shall we not much rather be subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For verily a few days chasten us after their own pleasure. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous. But grievous nevertheless afterwards it yielded the peaceable fruit. Amen the Bible said the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down. Hey, if you're here tonight, there's no need to walk out of this house with a sad face. There's no use to walk out of this house defeated. Glory. I was preaching in West Texas one time. And boy, it got tight in there. I tell you, it got tight. 
I was looking for someone to pull out a gun and try to shoot me. I've seen that before, so I mean, that wouldn't wouldn't been no nothing new against the game as far as that goes. But it got so tight, it like two Stilson rinses, one going the other opposite direction. And I told the Lord, I said, now, Lord, I've done everything you've told me to do. I've got this situation in a bad mess. You do or somebody does. But it was tight. And I, I, all of a sudden the Lord said, bring them up to the front and pray for them. Well, that's simple enough, Lord. You're going to have to do something besides me just praying. And they all walked to the front. Now, I got witness to everything. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, Pastor, he'll know all about it. He can call the man verify what I'm saying. They all came to the front. I laid hands on them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And they fell like dead wood. Boom! In the floor. Boom! The whole church was laying in the floor over top of one another. Everybody was out. And after I got through, I just walked out of the, out of the place went to the parsonage. And one old man said, said to the elder man, said to the pastor, said, where'd you get him from? Said, oh, he come from Dallas. Said, said, I wouldn't believe a word that man had to say. He was a so-called preacher. I wouldn't believe anything that man said. He's crazy the way he preaches. And the pastor said, let me ask you one question. How many children have you got? He said, oh, I think he said he had five or six. He said, could you tell me how many's in the church? He said, well, uh, well, uh, he said, uh, none of them right now. None of them at all. He said, well, I want to tell you something. The man that preached to us tonight has got three children. Two of them are preachers, and the other is a choir director. Never was in the world and kept the Holy Ghost all through the year. I believe I'll listen to what he's got to tell me than what you got to tell me. Because what you got to tell me is not going to help me any. Hey, come on. We need somebody that's got some evidence back there. That my God's real. That he's the same yesterday, today, forever. Woo! Glory! It's time to quit our patty kicking and walking through the tulips. Amen. Pull the weeds out of the house of God and have an old-fashioned apostolic revival. Let's give the Lord a good hand. You can be seated. Amen. I get so tired of dealing with people who want to know why. I look them right between the eyes. If you'll pray through, you'll understand why. Amen. And everyone say praise the Lord. Every church everywhere is looking for revival. But nobody really wants to die. Amen. Nobody really wants to pay the price that and God really wants us to pay. Stay with me now for a while. Amen. I, I told my wife, I said, I believe that there's, can I just, let me say it like the Bible said. I believe there's too many bastards in our church. Now what's a bastard? That's, that's one that don't know who his daddy is. And I'll tell you what, there's some spirits in the church Hey, they don't know who their daddy is. Boy, this is something. Now listen, this is going to turn this revival this week the direction that God wants it to be directed. 
Amen. I'm not harming a thing. I'm trying to put some foundational facts into your soul tonight. Amen. You know, when someone says, I got a problem, well, the problem is just to pray. Let's turn to the book of Luke, the 11th chapter, and verse number 5. And he said unto them, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say unto him, At midnight, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in a journey come to me, and I, I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer now, Shut my, he said, Trouble me not. The door is now shut. My children are in with me in bed, and I cannot rise to give thee. It was going to cost him something. Now, the days of old, they, they kept the cattle underneath, and they had a kind of a like a disappearing stairways would be. They had a piece of wood over a hole in the bottom where they dropped a ladder down would keep the thieves out of their possessions and so forth. And they got blankets and so forth and laid over this door. And then they would sleep on the door. That way the robber could not take what they had. Amen. He could be protected because of that. He, in other words, you'd have to wake him up in order to get into the house. And here we find the man down there. He's let me in. There's nothing any worse than a man's a pest. Leave me alone. I'm asleep. Glory. I want to tell you what, the church world as a whole is sound asleep. He's there knocking, said, hey, I got a friend. He needs some bread. We've got a city here that needs an old apostolic bread revival. And God brought you a man that can preach it. Amen. And he said, don't trouble me. Leave me alone. And the man said, but, but, but a friend of mine has got, needs some food and I want some bread. Not because of his friendship, but because of his importunity. He just wouldn't. Glory. I was in a restaurant the other night. And there was a baby. Oh, probably about 12 feet away. Going, I thought, my Lord, give that baby what it wants. But give it something. I don't care what you do. Give it something. But let us stop that. When God sees the church, oh, when God sees the church travailing, and the spirit that I'm not going to leave you alone. One of the greatest revivals ever preached in my life was in a place called Philadelphia, Mississippi. Out in the middle of the boondocks. No water. I mean, they had an old spring out front. It was nothing and not even a water fountain inside the church. And there just wasn't nothing in there. No air conditioning. There wasn't nothing. And a man asked me to come and I asked him, I said, you got many praying for the Holy Ghost? He said, oh, yeah. And yeah, we got some, we got some chronics there. One man prayed about 20 years. And another man prayed another 20 years. Another man, woman prayed 40 years. And, and uh, 
Here I was green. I didn't know what to preach. I didn't know what to say. Every day I'd go to the church house, the wife and I would, and just pray before God and sweat and tears and just, God, I don't know what to say. God, I don't even have the experience to, to, I, I don't, I need you, God. I got to have you. I mean, we've got all the things now. Strike up the band, honey. Get them going. Get them on their feet, man. Sing a fast song. Stay away from them slow ones. The fast ones what cools you, makes you feel good, you know. Something to, man, pump us into it. Pump us into it. But back then, this, this old preacher was an old country preacher, and he, he just squinted his eye all time. And I, and I looked at all the things, the possibilities, and the possibilities didn't look good, too good. And, and you see, really, they didn't even want me to preach it. My pastor was supposed to preach it. And because he had other things to do, he sent me. They didn't even want me. I had no business there. And every day I'd get wife and I. And my baby was the smallest boy. My, our Tom, he... He's a little baby, and we'd bring him over there and and set him there and pray around him and oh God, pray and pray. Oh God, I don't know what to say. I mean, Lord, if I could preach over fifteen minutes, I'd be doing so good. I need you, God, and help me, Lord. I don't have no kin folks that are preachers, God. I need help, God. Help me, Lord. And we would weep. And we'd travail. And we'd cry. And then we'd feel so good. And I told the Lord, I said, now, Lord, if you'll move tonight, I won't eat nothing until tomorrow night, but I'll eat just a little bit to give me a little strength for tonight. And very little, and I won't eat no more till tomorrow night, God, if you'll just, if you'll just help me. I'd walk behind that pulpit and just... Man, just charged, I thought, overcharged. And, and I'd say a few words, and I wonder, my Lord, what did I say that for? Don't even fit, you know, like it needs to fit. And I watched him run to the altar. And people said, pray for me, preacher. And I'd pray for him, and they take their glasses off, and God performed miracles after miracles. The first Sunday was there, we put, took 25 people down to the old stock pond and baptized them in Jesus name 37 got the Holy Ghost began to speak with tongue I want to tell you what he shook everything around there within a hundred miles it's coming from everywhere there was no air conditioning they looking four and five at the windows amen every seat was filled everything within the Sunday school department was in the sanctuary and chairs everywhere and the Holy Ghost just a moving and I'm standing back saying come on Lord I, I won't eat tomorrow God if you do something tonight God's looking for Olathe amen to come alive amen amen to have a real revival glory that's the revival that God wants it's not one that you can bring but the one he can bring amen 
Stay with me. Here's a man that said, I'm not leaving, boy, until you bless me. I want some bread. I come after some bread. I'm not leaving until you give me some bread. Glory. I read about an old-timer praying. He said, I'm going to the hayloft, God, and I'm not coming out till you talk to me, till you give me an answer. After three days, he walked out of the hayloft. He said because he knew God knew that he would stay there for a month if he had to, but he's going to get an answer from him. Oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. Hallelujah. Stay with me just a few minutes here. Hallelujah. I want to look at, amen, in Acts the 10th chapter. I want you to turn to something here. I want you to look at something. As God began to deal with me. Amen. Cornelius. Everyone say Cornelius. He was a Gentile. He had no hope of being saved. But he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed until there was a memorial made up into heaven. Glory. Now I'm talking about a memorial prayer. A useless prayer. He had no hope to be saved. He was a Gentile. The Gentiles hadn't come in yet. Simon Peter up on a housetop sleeping. Cornelius down there begging and pleading. And praying. Some of you got some children that you feel like it's literally impossible for that, that child to ever come in. Some of you got a loved one that says it's impossible for it to come in. Build a memorial before God. And just keep praying. And keep praying. And keep praying. And keep praying. And all of a sudden, God's going to say, Angel, you've got a job to do. That one's prayed long enough. That one's determined. Hallelujah. Glory. We, when we become determined. Oh, listen to my burdened soul tonight. The church. We want God to, to flower us with a revival without... Any preparation of, of dying. You say, I know I prayed and we fasted for this revival. I know that. But what I'm saying tonight is, the fact is, go a little bit farther. <laughs> Glory. Now let me get just where I want, really want to go. But this man prayed and he kept on praying. And the memorial prayer until finally God said, hey, I got to do something about this. Let's go to, let's go to my baby now where I want to preach it. In the book of Romans, the fourth chapter. Hallelujah. 17. 4 and 17. And it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him. Whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead. And called those things which be not as though they were. What is the operation of faith? 
Let me tell you what the operation of faith is. Seeing it before it happens. Glory. Now let me tell you of a miracle. Just happened. It's not over yet. There's a young lady in our church. That she came into some money. And she said, Brother David, she said, I want to pay my tithes on it. And she wrote me a check for $10,000. Some of you say, my Lord, what, what the preacher going to do with it? He already drive to Lincoln, my God, what is he going to do with it now? She said, I want to put something in the building fund too, Brother Davis. I said, uh, all right. She gave me another check for $10,000, said put that in the building fund. And I'm looking, let's say 10 and 10 is 20, we'll just put it all in the building fund. Let's go a little farther now. I'm talking about going a little farther. We had a conference in our church back in August. My wife asked every family in the church to give $50 to help because it costs thousands upon thousands of dollars to do what we do. And we don't ask nobody to help us. We just do it ourselves because God laid upon our hearts to do it. And the same lady called my wife. She's not, a, she's not a rich person by a long, long ways. And she said, uh, Sister Davis, has all the $2,000 come in? My wife said, yeah, $1,040 come in so far. I said, maybe more will come in. I don't know. She said, is that all? I'll give you a check tonight for $1,000 to put it in there. we got to have it. Well, you know, she was uh, three, about four weeks ago, three weeks ago. What, three weeks? About three weeks. My wife, she asked my wife, said, I want to go to Houston. My wife told her, said, no, you can't go. She said, well, she'd come to church, and after church was over on Sunday night, she got in her Lincoln automobile, and down the highway she went. Tears running down my eyes. She said, I was just having such a good time. And she said, all of a sudden, I saw the ABS light come on, and my car done a complete whirl, and went over in the other lane on 45 and went right straight toward an 18-wheeler. And the next thing I saw was the pan of the motor up through the windshield of my car. And they had to cut me out. And bones were protruding out of my legs. My, my, uh, my pelvis bone was broke. My hip was crushed. Amen. My front of my legs, both of them are completely crushed. Bones hanging out. They put a pin in each of them. Her hand, her arm is all crushed. And I went down to Tyler to see her. They flew her to Tyler. Amen. I went and I said, Hey, Lord. God, she gave a lot to you, Lord. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to give her some of it back, God. <laughs> Lord, I'm asking you to answer prayer, God. Some of you say, oh, that money, that foolishness. Hey, there comes a day it's not foolish. There comes a day you're going to need all you can get a hold of. Every prayer that you pray is going to be valuable. Every dime that you ever give is going to be valuable. Every time you ever submit it to the man of God is going to be valuable. Make a long story short, 
My wife called down there the day before we left. And she said, how's she doing? You know, her mother, she's not a believer, but she's come to church several times. And she's right at the, close to, the closeness of it. She said, uh, you know, she said, all I can say, she said, it's the prayers of you people that are praying that has brought her like she is. They have done all the operations. They gave her many transfusions, added many pints of blood. She's sitting on the side of the bed now, waiting for the crutch to be able to go to the restroom and so forth. They're going to put her in rehab, and she'll begin to walk again. No hope, but hope. Glory, hope. The impossible. They said, they even, they advertised it on television. One, one of our Pentecostal people said, you know, he said, I heard. He said, someone told me, he said, they, uh, it was on television. I said, well, I don't know. We don't have the thing. We don't watch it. But I said, they said, well, it was. They said, it's a miracle that that woman could even get out of that car. It was totaled. Amen. And that 18-wheeler was for going 70 miles an hour. She's going 70 miles an hour. And how it stopped right above her head. Where she saw the pan of the 18-wheeler, the motor of it. God says, "Woo, Far enough. Amen. Hope. Where there's no hope. Why don't you look at something here? Stay with me. I'm not going to preach too much longer, but I want to share. I've got, you, you, I've got a hold of something here. Therefore, it is faith that might be by grace. You see, faith is something that you see is happening before it happens. I see people talk in tongues before they talk in tongues. I see people walk before they walk. Hallelujah. I could tell you story, miracle stories after miracle stories. Amen. I saw it happen. You know what I told? I told this young lady on the phone a few weeks ago. I said, uh, I want to tell you something. I saw you walking. You what, Brother Davis? I said, saw you walking. You, you, you saw me walking? I said, yeah, I saw you walking. She said, next time I called, she said, is, is it still like you said it was? I, I want to hear you say it again. I said, you're walking. You'll walk. Don't worry about it. You'll walk. Hey, man, I want to tell you what God wants for his people. He looks over his people. He washes them. Everyone say praise the Lord. Amen. I've made thee a father of many nations. 17. For whom he believed. Even God who quickened the dead. And called those things which be not. As though they were. Who against hope believed in hope. That he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken. So shall thy seed be. But being not weak. In faith. Everybody say weak in faith. And he considered not his own body. Now dead. Now I know it's a mixed congregation. Let me talk for a little while. Dead. Abraham. The promised seed's still coming. <laughs> Let's go back into, into Genesis here. See if I can find it. Hallelujah. Glory. Everyone say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
Amen. Let's say praise the Lord again. It speaks, it speaks, let me just bring it to you. I can, I can quote it to you. Abraham, God's talking to Abraham. God, Abraham is trying to present Ishmael to God for the chosen child, for the inheritance. Abraham said, I'm a hundred years of age and I'm dead. My, my productivity years is gone. There's nothing I can do. Sarah's 90 years of age. And the deadness of her womb. There's no way of a reproduction. Now God, I want to present unto you Ishmael. Bless him. That's what the church world's trying to do today. Is trying to bring off-breeds into the church. And present them to God as the bride. I want to tell you what the bride of God is going to be the bride of a people that have submitted themselves to God. Amen. And look for the coming of Him and love Him supremely above all. I'm dead. Now let me just put it this way. As God spoke to me. The promised church is when the people become dead. And a miraculous miracle happens. I told my wife, I said, I believe we're praying too many people through. Amen. We've got Ishmaelites in our church. Ishmael children in our church that are not completely dead. And we want God to accept them as the bride. God said, Abraham. And Abraham got down on his face. He fell into the ground and laughed. That's what they told me when I went to Balk Spring. <laughs> Brother Davis, impossible. You don't understand what's there. No, I didn't understand what was there. I was green to what was there. But I knew that there was a God that would honor his word. And he's the one that sent me there. Amen. What are you saying, brother? What I'm saying is when the church, it seems like it's impossible to bring forth a child, that's when God wants to bring one forth. You haven't got what I'm talking about yet. What I'm talking about is, it's not what you can do, but what he can do. Hallelujah. He said, I'm dead. I have no function. I can't reproduce a child. And God's telling Abraham, Abraham, Isaac is the promised child. Isaac is the promised child. It's not Ishmael. Ishmael is a child of the flesh. Amen. It's a child of the flesh. And there's always been trouble with Ishmael. And the Ishmaelites, the, 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 the lineage of all of them have always been trouble, 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 trouble. And that's what's in our churches. It's trouble, trouble, trouble. Amen. You come to church, you don't like this, and you don't like that, and you don't want this, and you don't want that, and you don't like the preacher what he preached about. Amen. It's against this. Honey, you need to die. If you'll ever die. You don't like what I'm preaching. Glory. What I'm talking about is a church. And if a church would die. 
Oh, if we can just barely run 100. I'm talking about, I'm telling you what the Lord told me about. It. He said they can have 500, they can have 5,000 if they wanted, if they'll die. But that'd be bigger than Brother Westbrook. Honey, Brother Westbrook's not God. I love Brother Westbrook. He's my precious friend. He remember, God's no respecter of person when, when the whole church falls on their face and dies. Then the promised children. The promised children. Glory. What's the promised children? Like there's a, there's a Spanish man. He, he was out helping me the other day. He said, Brother Davis, I sure hate to see you go. I sure do love you. Not going to be the same around here without you. I love you so much. You mean so much to me, Brother Davis. I'll be praying. Glory. If I pick up something to do, he says, oh, put it, put it, put it, put it, put it. I said, let me do that. Don't, you don't do that. You let me do that. I want to do that. But we've got too many people who say, well, go on. He ain't better than anybody else. Go on. Do what you want to do. You know, just. Glory. Ishmael was not the promised child. Although he had the right father, but he did not have the right mother. And he was contrary. And even the, the, the things that's going on in Israel today and the Arab people is because of this right here. Because Abraham got in the flesh and wanted to have a fleshly extending of his family instead of a blood child. See, Abraham, he said, it's impossible. Impossible for me to... To reproduce. I'm dead. I'm dead. There's no way. What are you talking about? What I'm talking about. Church. I want you to. Change your vision. I want you to see a full church. I want you to see. A bigger place. You say God's been so much. God owes you. When you begin to pray. And you begin to weep. And before God. And. And. Take the chastisement as God wants you to receive from him. I mean, the, the, the door's open. It's open. Glory. People will come because, the, not because you invited them. I've got people in my church that they come, they are in my church because, like one man, I buried him here. Just He was in the church better than 20 years, him and his wife. His wife is still in the church. He said, I was driving by your church, preacher. And he said, all of a sudden, he said, I looked up and he said, I told Mama, I said, Mama said, let's just go in here. He said, I know that's not, we're, we're, we're another denomination. But he said, let's just go in here. And he said, Brother Davis, that was 20 years ago. And he said, ever since then, we've been turning in there. And no one ever invited us to the church. Glory. God can send more people than what you can ever bring. Glory. Glory. He's not looking for a child that you can produce. Because you'll produce an Ishmael. But the children that he produces are his promised children. Amen. Glory. I've got, I've got hundreds of people. Amen. I said, whatever you say, preacher, I'll do it. I'll do it. Whatever you say, I'll do it. Others say, I don't understand. Yeah, you're an Ishmaelite. 
in Ishmaelite. God's going to have a church full of people that are the promised children. The promised children. You say, but he was dead. There was no way of life for Abraham. He looked at Sarah and he said, she laughed too. <laughs> you know, she probably looked like Mother Teresa. I don't know. All shriveled up. That's a bad illustration, isn't it? Caught she's what well, 90-year-old woman, let's face it. I mean. Abraham looking at her and he said, God, you got to perform a miracle on this one, you know. She was beautiful to look at at the end. She was charming. Let's go a little bit farther. You think that God let Abraham just have Isaac? Hey, you better read the word a little farther. The Bible said, I think he was about 139 years of age, his wife died, and he married Keturah. And he still wasn't dead. He was alive. He had five children by Keturah. Honey, I want to tell you what, the church is not dead. You can't send revival, but you can pray and God will send revival. Hallelujah. You can get out on your knees and say, God, we don't want no bastards in here. We want your children in here, God. We don't want no rebellious people in the church. We want your people, God. Glory. Where I come from, I tell them, either get in or get out, but do something. Hallelujah. And everyone say, praise the Lord. I want you to, I want you to grasp this. Amen. Die to your plans. Amen. And have hope. Amen. Like God wants you to have. You know, the Lord brought a beautiful illustration to me. He said, just like you going to the dentist. And you tell the dentist, put some more Novocaine. That thing still hurt. When your pastor preaches, does it still hurt? It means that you're not dead yet. I'll tell you what, when that dentist starts working on me, I want everything he can get a hold of and then some. I want him to deaden it good because when he starts drilling and, or starts pulling or whatever he needs to do, and I says, he'll say, can you feel it? I said, yeah, I feel it. Well, it's not dead. Amen. The church is not dead. We try our ways of having revival. Glory. If I could... If I could bring to you tonight what God really wants me to bring. He's not looking at what you can produce, but if you'll pay the price, that he will send the children of the promise to you. Glory. I got some of the most precious people that God ever gave breath. If I tell them, stand on their head, they'd stand on their head. They really would. I told one man, I said, they'll gargle peanut butter if you tell them. Whatever you tell them, they'll do. Glory. They'll do the impossible. Everyone say, praise the Lord. But when you become dead, all you can have is a 
is a bastard child. It's just when you're natural of living, it's just there's no way. But once you die, glory. I remember. I can relate to this very much. So, and I'm going to close with these words. When I was in Houston, Texas, going to Bible school, wife and I had wanted another child for many, many years. And doctors said it's impossible. The medical way, it's impossible for you to have another child. There's just no way. I'd made up my mind that I wanted to stay four years in Bible school and see if I couldn't get enough education to help me a little bit. First four or five months I was there, my wife, she says, I'm expecting. I said, what? Ain't no way. There's no way. Carried her to the doctor. That's what they say in Mississippi, carry. You know, you carry someone. <laughs> I carried her to the doctor, and the doctor said, yes. Yeah. I said, she's so many months. I said, how can it be? He said, I don't know. I can't tell you. But he said, she is. Miracle child. Miracle child. I was helping Brother Tommy Kraft in Jackson, Mississippi. And... It came time to go back to Bible school. It was August, and, and within a month, I was going to have to go back to school. And I made up my mind I was going back to school, and, and my wife was, was eight months expecting. And they said that she was a month late, even that, and, and uh, she'd be really seven. So anyway, uh, my pastor got a hold of me, and he said, Brother Davis, he said, let's you and I have a prayer meeting. Well, sure. Let's have a prayer meeting. Let's just lay our things before God until God said, Now, Lord, I want to go back to Bible school if it's your will. If it's not your will, I don't want to go. But, Lord, this baby is causing a little confusion in our life. And, and I don't want to say that it was because of my child that kept me from not going back to Bible school. Now, Lord, would you do something for me? Would you let the child come on early if it'd be healthful, healthy? And would you do that for me? We went to bed at one o'clock. We was in Jackson, Mississippi. And at seven o'clock, eight o'clock the next morning, one of the hours it was, my wife jumped up. Her water broke. I carried her to the hospital, and the baby was born perfectly normal. God answered prayer. Glory. God still is a God that answers prayer. Have you got, let me close this. I want the musicians to come with you. The impossible. What is your, you want something from God is impossible. Impossible. Really impossible to have. Glory. My father-in-law was a precious man. Walked in all the light that he knew, but he didn't have the Holy Ghost and wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. I told my wife, I said, I hate to tell you what I want to tell you. But I said, I got hope for your daddy coming in. Not for your mama, but your daddy. I said, let's just pray that your daddy would outlive your mother, which was almost an impossibility because of health reasons. And sure enough, God answered our prayers and, and her daddy lived couple, three years after Mama died. 
And he'd read his Bible and weep and sob and cry. And my wife would talk to him about the Lord. said, Dad, you need to get baptized in Jesus' name. need to let my husband put you under in Jesus' name and come out of the water and talk in tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. He was 80 years of age, and I, he walked in that baptistry in the name of the Lord. Prayers that we had prayed for so long. Hope. I could see him come out of the water, talking in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. I knew it was going to happen because I had hope. And when I buried him in the name of the Lord, he came up and raised his hands and just started talking the most beautiful language. And went out to stand before God with the beautiful experience that he had. Hope. Let me ask you. I want everyone to close your eyes. What kind of hope have you got? What kind of, I mean, are you satisfied? I hope you're not. Is 500 too many that you could hope for? Is 5,000 too many that you could hope for? What are you hoping for tonight? Is a 50-soul revival this week too many to hope for? No evidence. No nothing. No promises that he could do it. He staggered not at the promises of God. All that he could do was dead. God had to intervene. I want you tonight with the help and grace of God. I know I've preached hard to you, but listen to me. God is wanting to fill this church full of promised children that will love him. You, you, can't, you couldn't drive them away if you had to. Because they're promised children. Because they've been born spirit-wise. I want you to... you got a wayward child, a husband, someone that you live close to that you could... I want you to start praying for them right now. I want you to see them this week in this altar. Praying with... Speaking with tongues as, a magna, as God gives the utterance and... Magnifying the Lord. Promise children. Promise children. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Some services start revival with, I have preached it in my heart. For days, I couldn't wait to get here. God is not looking for what you can bring forth, but what you can trust Him for, what you can believe Him for. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Being ready to build a sanctuary seat about 700. And we've got $273,000 in the building fund. Who'd ever thought that a little old city of Balk Springs, Texas, would have a people brought together to see the promised children in the sanctuary? 
Nothing's impossible. Shall we stand and lift our hands to the Lord? Let me just say this. I'm glad that this is not a church full of Ishmaelites. God brought you here every once in a while to give you a whipping. But yet he, who he chasteth, he loveth. And God sent me by tonight to, to tell you that you let me work. You pray it down and I'll work it. All I'm asking you to do is pray it down. I'll take the rest of it. Let's lift our hands and love the Lord. Let's love him. I love you, Jesus. 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 You said, preacher, it never happened. Listen to me. They came from around the world to Azusa Street to see what was going on. Hey, if this church would die and lift him up, magnify him, it would be everywhere through the city. Oh, what's going on in Atlanta? What's going on? Miracles are happening. Unusual things are happening. But what we want is a song and a dance. We want to be cheered and pampered and petted. I come to tell you now. Let them come and see. Glory. We can see too well. As a blind man, as the Lord laid the, 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 the stuff on his eyes, he said, can you see? He said, I see men as trees walking. Amen. My wife said there was a man came to the door at our house yesterday, day before him. From UPS, and he looked at her and he said, Ma'am, can you, if you don't mind, can I ask you a question? She said, Sure. What church do you go to? She said, Apostolic Tabernacle on Peachtree. He said, Peachtree? He said, I live on Peachtree. He said, I'm so confused. We're looking for a church. We're so confused. We don't really know what. I don't know about anything anymore. We're so confused. She said, come and see. Come and see. When the church dies, revival comes. Revival comes. Revival comes. When you fully see, hey, I can't reproduce, impossible. Amen. But God says, I can. I will. Isaac is going to be born. Abraham, you're going to be the daddy of it. But, but, but I'm 90 years old. Don't look at yourself and consider yourself. And the Bible said he staggered not at the promises of God. God gave him the promised child. Let me tell you something, Olaith. I'm going to prophesy to you right now. God wants to fill this church full of prophesied children. He's going to send this church full of pure children that love God. They're not going to say, why do you do this and why do you do that and why this and why the other? 
You're going to be hungry. The promised children. The promised children will love him. Why doth I stand in amazement for what my servant has said unto thee? For I, the Lord thy God, has spoken to thee. Open thine eyes. It's never been what you can do, but what I can do. For I am your God. And if thou will seek me, and if thou will let the promise come forth, I will fill the assembly. And I'll go beyond that. And everywhere around will come to see what the glory is. Because I will send it to you, saith the Lord. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory. When you die, then you'll see. Shall we come around and pray? Let's come. Visitors, so glad you come. It won't be like this tomorrow night. I'll probably preach faith. I don't know. Whatever God gives me to preach. Why don't you come and pray with us? Visitor friend, come and pray in your own way, would you? Come and make yourself at home. Would you come? Or kneel where you're at. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. That's it. Come. Hallelujah. There's a promise coming down that dusty from his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. Holds the key to what you need. Death that hell he will defeat. There's the promise coming down that dusty road. There's the promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death that hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. Oh, there's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. And at that hell he will defeat. Oh, there's a promise coming down that dusty road. Oh, there's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death that hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. 
that that hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. Now a hand of fear gripped the crowd that day at Cherish's home. When the doctor sadly said, your daughter's gone. Oh, you can feel the parents' heartbreak. You can hear them cry and moan. Oh, their little girl was only 12 years old. And then somewhere in the distance, outlined against the sun, came a man with a mission from the throne. Oh, they said somebody's coming, oh, but what they did not know was the promise coming down that dusty road. Oh, there's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need, death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. Now one did turn to mock him when Jesus did speak. Your daughter's not dead, she's just asleep. And then he turned toward the multitude, and he told them all, go home. Oh, they heard him say, leave me and death alone. And then he laid his hands upon the child, and he looked death right in the eye. He said, all power in earth and heaven belongs to me. And with a voice that sounded like death asunder when he said little girl rise and be healed there's a promise coming down that dusty road from his holy hands healing virtue flows he holds the key to what you need death and hell he will defeat there's a promise coming down that dusty road there's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. 
There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. There's a promise coming down that dusty road. From his holy hands, healing virtue flows. He holds the key to what you need. Death and hell he will defeat. There's a promise coming down that dusty road.
Shall we stand, everyone? Hallelujah. I don't want anyone to mistake what I said. God doesn't need you, but he needs you to work with him. Amen. We can do nothing, but he can do everything. We'll step back and let him do it, but we prepare ourselves for that. Amen. Now, everyone say praise the Lord. I want you to fill this house tomorrow night. There's no telling what God will do. I've seen him raise the dead twice. I don't know where God wants me to go. I really don't. I come with an open heart. I come with a prayerful heart to see what God would do. I'm tired of just the ritual services, two songs and altar call and never really troubled in the spirit of no way. But I want you to, if you would, if you could grasp what I said tonight, hope. I dream big. My wife tells me, I said, I, I draw a picture. And she said, I can't, I can't phantom it. I can't, I can't figure it out. I said, man, I can even see the fence behind it. Amen. Dream. Let God, things that some of you have looked for for years, amen. Time has come. Jesus is coming. We're at the door. He's at the door coming right now. And we have got to work.